All right. Always fun to talk to Drew. <laughs> I love it. Let, let's just start off with the with the final. We know what we got. Colorado and Tampa. I mean, in this one, of course, I'm going to ask you, you know, who you got. Because Colorado, two sweeps. They're a wagon. Tampa's won the last two cups. Uh, but we haven't seen a team win three straight since the 80s. So my question for you is three straight for Tampa or does Corey Perry <laughs> lose his third straight? I don't know. You know, the one thing that um, this is going to be such a fence walking answer. It's going to just be like, what the hell happened to you? And then <laughs> you got soft in your old age. Um, Tampa, as my son said yesterday to me, Donovan said yesterday to me, they're really good at hockey. They know what they're doing. They never chase the game. I used to think that Steven Stamkos was a pretty boy goal scorer, you know, bop, bop. And he was, for, but he's a warrior, man. That whole team is made up of warriors. I look at, I look at the way that team plays. And it's nothing fancy. It's hard work and execution. That's what it is. It's just doing the same thing that they know what it takes in order to win. They keep doing it over and over and over and over again. They never get out of pocket. If they do, it's very short-lived. And they get right back to it. Name me a team as elite as them that chips the puck in and dumps the puck in and goes after it as much as they do. Name, name me a team that, that backtracks as hard as they do, that sh- block as many shots as they do. Scott Hanlon's going to hear this, by the way, and go, because oh, Scott and I have this <laughs> ongoing battle about shot blocking. It's a long story. <laughs> It's a long story, but I think I'm losing it anyway. The, they, just, they just do everything they can to help their team win. And then you look at the guys that are scoring. Okay, yeah, their top guys score all the time. But then Sergachev and Paul and Maroon, and it just goes on and on and on. Then they're, they're without Braden Point. Yeah. So I look at that team, and I have a soft spot for it because of Rob Zettler, right? Original San Jose Shark. Won a cup last year. So great. And I'd love to see Robbie do it again. On the other hand, you've got the Colorado Avalanche, who, when everybody in Edmonton were already planning the parade route down Jasper Avenue, um, Colorado said, excuse me, and Nathan McKinnon especially, I thought, went, um, there's another Mac in the game, and it's me. You know, it was McDavid McKinnon built up, built up, and I thought that he played with a relentless rage trying to show people hey you keep talking about this guy and and well you should because connor is great but so am i and they played at such just speed that everything with and without the puck they were just everywhere and they you know everybody's saying well they didn't darnell nurse was hurt and leon dreisaitl was hurt and Yep, you're right. And they were, and Colorado was without Gerard, their number four defenseman. They were without their number one goalie, Darcy Kemper, good Saskatoon boy. Uh, they were without uh, the last game, uh, Nazim Kadri, and uh, the last two games, actually, because he got it hurt. So they were out there, guys, too. But that's playoff hockey. Yeah. And the other thing I, I like about Colorado is besides their speed and their skill level, and, and everything is at top speed, their video coach is Brett Heimlich. Brett Heimlich started started his career in hockey with the tank patrol did you know that <laughs> no i had no yes. idea that's so brett starts, with the, brett starts with the tank patrol but he's really good with computers and he's, he's a really bright guy tinny hunter 
uh, Robbie Zettler and Ronnie Wilson use him because I think Tim, I think they were neighbors. And so, or something like that. I'm not sure how he connected to the Sharks. But anyway, he started doing some work for Ronnie and that coaching staff. And then when Todd came in, Brett said, you know, I want to do this. So he went to Todd and said, hey, I want to do this. And, and Todd said, can you skate? And he said, no, not really. He goes, you better learn because no assistant <laughs> coach, you know, you got to learn. So Brett would, was out every day skating. Brett was in the room every day with Todd and that coaching staff doing video. And now this kid has gone from being a, with a tank patrol to now on the verge of winning a Stanley Cup. And it couldn't happen to a greater guy. Uh, his, so cool. his lovely wife, Amanda, she worked, she managed the shark store. They're great people. They're great, <laughs> great people. So there's a, there's a really interesting kind of a shark's connection there. So I'm kind of torn on who I'm cheering for. On one you hand, I haven't even I, mentioned Cogliano. <laughs> I haven't even mentioned Cog, geez, I didn't even mention Cogs, have I? No. Tell me that if Cogs wins it, how many uh, how many years in a row will he continue to send thank you notes to Joe Will and <laughs> say thank you very much, thank you very hell much. Yeah. Again, couldn't happen to a better guy, right? I mean, he's a hell of a nice person, and and you want to see guys like that. Yeah. So again, that was I gave you zero answers, and I took up about five minutes of your time. That was great. But I, I look at it overall. I love greatness. AJ, I, I, I love dynasties. I love because, uh, you know, Brady's my favorite player in the, in the NFL. Steph is my favorite player in the NBA because they're great at what they do. They uh, Dynasties are hard. Ron Wilson once said, it's hard to win in the NHL. And so I kind of want to see it. But at the same time, I'd be pretty happy for Brett getting a ring. So, Well, I mean, you know, like I said, you didn't bring up Cogliano and I just, for me, I, you know, I wasn't too familiar with the player until he got to the Sharks, but the way he would address the media yeah. in postgame was so impressive to me. I mean, it didn't sugarcoat stuff, didn't blow smoke up your ass, didn't tell you that, oh, it's fine. It's, you know, four, we, four game yeah. losing streak. We'll, we'll get out of it. No, he yeah. like called it like it was. So it was very impressive to me. Uh, so yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm team Colorado, you know what they want it in like yeah. 25,000. So I'm really like, but uh, I mean, this is not, if it does have really disappointing, you know what I mean? Yeah. You know, when, when you look at Colorado, what they have gone through in order to get here, you know, this is a team that was on the rise, on the rise, on the rise, but they couldn't get there. Right. Yeah. How many years did we see it with the sharks, but they learned lessons and lessons, Learned in pain are the lessons best remembered. And so they figured it out. They were just getting better and better, though. They just needed a goalie. When you look at them, when you have McCarr, who is phenomenal, you have McKinnon, Landeskog, Rantanen, Kadri, if he comes back. Looks like Cogs is probably going to be back. You have got top-level elite guys. But again, you look at Tampa, same thing. It's your middle guys that get it done. It's like Andrew Cogliano is one of those middle guys, one of those guys in your fourth, maybe third line, kills penalties, does all those things that you need done, can shift the momentum of a game or keep the momentum of a game. What, what is impressive about Andrew is that he is a veteran professional in every sense of the word. Uh, I, I really enjoyed it. We didn't, you know, it's not like the old days where you were able to, you know, go in the dressing room, talk to the guys, you know, you had to you know, stay at, And I think 
players and coaches loved it. Yeah. But uh, um, every time you got a chance to talk to Cogs, he was, as you just said, just impressive. And, and, and one of those, you know, in hockey, we say it all the time. He's a good guy. He's a good guy. I, I really like him. He's a good guy, but he's a good guy. Yeah. Well, and you brought up Makar. I mean, I'm, you know, I think Yossi is the odds on favorite for the Norris, but I mean, Makar had my top vote. Oh, I mean, geez, just, so he, yeah, so fucking good. You know what I, mean, I like about him? It was um, in, in this day and age when and I'm watching the NBA finals the other day and watching the, uh, the exaggerated contact that we're seeing. And we see it in soccer all the time. Right. And we see it in the NHL now. A, a guy gets hit with a stick or hits him here and he throws his head back. Or uh, in last night's game, when uh, Stamp goes grab Lafreniere for a second, Lafreniere down he went. And that ended up to be a tying goal. The exaggerated contact, we're not going to call it diving anymore because I love exaggerated contact. I think that's just a great term. <laughs> I was watching the NBA and they were talking, I can't remember who they're talking about is one of the best in the league at exaggerated contact. I'm like, wow. <laughs> so the, uh, what, what you see with Makar, the other, when he's playing, it was game four and he's, he's got the puck and he takes a little, takes a little shot right about here, a little hook. And he just, he doesn't do anything. He just shrugs it off, takes one in the chin, shrugs it off. And he just keeps going. Doesn't do any of the throw his hands back and, you know, yard sale, the gloves anywhere. He just keeps playing. That's what I like about him. Well, besides yeah the tremendous skill level and smarts too. Yeah. But boy, yeah, I, I, I feel you on that boy. I would like to see a lot more of that come back to hockey when, you know, I see that now, look, I see the, you, you'll see a guy take a stick to the face. Last night. I remember somebody took a, a stick to the grill. Um, um, Heedle, Heedle yeah, from, it, from Corey Perry. Yeah. Yeah. Perry gets a stick up and whips his head back a little bit. And I'm like, okay, now that I get yeah. Yeah, took it in the, the teeth. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, but the other ones, it's like you know, catches him under the arm, and he's and I'm yeah. going, what are you doing? <laughs> I ever tell you the? Uh, I tell you, I can tell you this story now because um, it was a long time ago. <laughs> it was my first year on television with the Sharks, and Dean Lombardi, who I dearly love, and Dean's been wonderful to me, but Dean was really hesitant about me going on TV because. <laughs> Dean said, Dean once said, I knew too, I, I knew too much for my own good. <laughs> and I thought, okay, that's an interesting way to put it. So he, he was really hesitant. Okay, let, let him go. Okay, let, sorry, that's Michelle's phone. Michelle's phone's going in the back. Can you hear that in the background? Okay. I could that, but I was getting her cutting in it now yeah. a little bit. Are we okay still? I think we're okay. Okay. So Doug Wilson, who's at the time a director of player development, he, he talks Dean into, come on, Drew's going to be great. It's going to be perfect. Put him on. So... It's a game, I don't remember who it's against, but Brian Marchman takes a stick and it takes a stick over in the right, in the corner, the right corner, second, second period. And he throws his head back, gloves come off, down like this, okay, off the ice. And he goes to the bench. And I said right off the bat, I went, geez, I didn't think that hit him in the face. I thought, I thought, I thought that would hit him more in the chest. And then it goes to the replay. And it's clearly hits him like right here, right? But did he get the call? Oh, yeah. He got the call. Not only, that, not only that, he sells it beautifully. He gets to the bench and he gets a towel and he's putting it on his face. Okay. And we have that close up. Now, you know me back in the day. I'm not going to pass up that opportunity. And so I say, boy, I tell you what, you got to hand it to Brian Marshman. First, 
as we see in the replay, it doesn't even come close to hitting him in the face, but he is selling it right now on the bench. This is an Academy Award performance from Brian Marchman. Okay. So (laughs) Dean later on has to go to the, uh, the uh, GM meetings. And apparently what they did at those GM meetings is that they compiled guys being diving guys, exaggerating guys. (laughs) That's front and center. Number one. So how do you think Dean was with me knowing or watching it in front of all the other GMs that his broadcaster, the guy he was a little hesitant about putting on the air goes on and on and on showing how much Brian Marchman's selling a call. But that was, but Dean was great about it. He was, he was, (laughs) Dean was very direct, but uh, you, you learn back in the day, maybe you probably shouldn't point that one out or that's a replay we don't need to show. <laughs> <laughs> well, you mentioned earlier that uh, what you're in a losing battle with Hannon. So, I mean, mm-hmm. you, you're, you're anti-shot blocking, right? I, see, that's, see, I am, I am anti-obsessively thinking shot block is the first line of defense. And I'll go, and, and reason is, and this starts way back. Remember when Adam Burrish, I don't know if I told you this story, but remember when Adam Burrish was playing for the Sharks? Sure. We're in Edmonton. He goes down to block the shot and he turns sideways and hits him in the hand, remember? And he gets, he, and he gets up and he, the, the glove is off and his two fingers are pointed that way. <laughs> yes. And he's just holding them up. And I, I, I thought then, and I, I always thought that, why are we doing this with these guys? It's not like back in the day when the guys had the wood stick and they're shooting at 60 miles an hour. Now you're looking at it and you see it on TV all the time. Guys are ringing it up 80 plus, 90 plus. Oh. So the next day I got, you know, it was when I was still you know, with Larry Robinson was on the coaching staff and Jay Woodcroft and Todd, and they let me watch video with them. And we're watching the video the next day and I'm going, man, oh man, I don't get it. I don't understand you guys. Why you, sh- why you sh- insist that they have to block shots. And Larry Robinson says to me, he goes, I said, it's friggin' January or whatever it was. <laughs> and Larry goes, well, because if they don't do it now, they won't do it in the playoffs. And I said, oh, shit. Yes, they will. What are you talking about? And guys do things all the time in the playoffs they don't normally do. And we start arguing. And finally, Jay Woodcroft goes, uh, Drew, you realize you're talking to Larry Robinson about <laughs> playoff hockey, right? <laughs> How many rings? <laughs> and I said, I know I am. I know I, I, I get it. I understand it, but I'm right. And he's wrong. <laughs> so, but if you, if you, my thing is, I think playing the way that, and, and what, what teams do now is everybody's, we know, you drop down to where you control the middle, you give up the point shot and you want to shut the cycle down as quickly as possible. And one of the things in giving up the point shot is that you're going to have to front shots or block shots. But instead, what has happened now, that's the first thing guys think. Instead of the idea is you should go right out at the guy in the below the tops of the faceoff circles. We teach guys to close, quick contact, separate, let's go. But instead, and if you go back to Sergeyev's second goal, the winning goal in game three, or game, sorry, game five, where Chris Kreider's coming out, but he, he hesitates, he stops. He's now away from Sergachev. Instead of going right out at Sergachev and lining up with the puck and forcing and pressuring him, he goes into more of a contained thing and stays back thinking he should block the shot. Well, Sergachev gets by him and puts the puck in the net. Yeah. And 
I think that's being taught wrong that we're going, instead of going right at guys and pressuring, we're so afraid of getting beat, that, that top forward getting beat, that he stays back and then he gives himself up to block the shot. Now, I had an argument with a coach about shot blocking, a guy who loves shot blocking, okay? Because he heard me one day on TV talk about how stupid I think it is. <laughs> and this coach said to me, and we had this big argument back and forth. So I said to the coach, I said, okay, I see your points. You don't see any of mine, but let me ask you one question. One question, and then we're done. He said, okay, what? I said, if shot blocking so important, then how come I never see teams practice it? I see you guys practice power play. I see you practice penalty kill, three on two, two on two, three on three low, D zone coverage, offensive zone pressure, four check, back check, all those things. I see everything practiced, but I don't see anybody teaching or practicing shot blocking. Why is that? Because someone's going to get killed. <laughs> That's exactly what he said to me. <laughs> and I went... <laughs> And he looked at me and I said, if I had a microphone right now, I'd drop it and walk out of the room. And he went, I don't understand what you're talking about. I said, what do you mean you don't understand what I'm talking about? <laughs> I, I just won. But, but Scott Hannon, and if, listen, you have to, and, and don't, you know, don't tell Scott I said this. Yeah. You have to acquiesce to guys who've been there, done that, and played the game. You have to talk to those guys and understand that they probably know more than somebody that's lost 100 games quicker than anybody in the history of National Hockey League and the coaching staff, and who's now a broadcaster. Those who can't do teach and those who can't teach broadcast. Yes. So when when Scott says you have to block all at all, at all costs, um, I don't. I, I disagree with the all costs thing. There are times I think you've got to just let the goalie see it. He's got a lot of equipment on, and he gets paid six million dollars a year. He's probably going to see it. Sure. Um, I think if you change the way that you taught the guys, like I said, go out and pressure right away, take away their time and space as quickly as possible. You wouldn't have to, you wouldn't sit back and take a 90 mile an hour off the shins, you know, or off the ankle. And plus guys, wait, guys block shots now. Like, I got equipment. I got equipment here, here, and here. Okay. Covered in equipment. And what, what I do, do <laughs> here, hit this unprotected yeah, part, <laughs> hit this area because there's nothing there. It's, it's really going to hurt. And if I put my glove down, because my gloves are really short, I'm probably going to break a wrist or something. So here, right. let's do this. And plus you take yourself from here, a wider is, target right, yeah. to an error target. Like if we're fighting for an MMA, I'm taking myself to that because there's less to hit. Exactly. I don't, I'm taught not to stand straight because there's too much to hit or kick. That's why we turn to the, turn to the side, but just anyway, go Scott, John Avery, Scott, just turn around and just, yeah. you know. <laughs> exactly. so Scott and I have this, Scott and I have this debate going back and forth and it's, it's a losing debate. And I'll tell you, it's not very popular within the hockey circles, but I'm going to stick to it. It's not saying you don't block shots. I'm just saying there are, there's a time and place for everything. Yeah. You got to pick your spots. My, the one you talk about pressure and that's one of the things that has bugged me sometimes is, uh, you know, a team, is in their offensive zone they've lost the puck and the def defensive zone team they allow a guy to just yeah. sit there behind the net and you know they and they've got the guy who's standing in front of the goalie trying waiting for this guy to make a move on which way he's going to go before they commit and guy will be back there five six seven seconds and i'm like force him to make a decision don't let the guys behind him set up 
Well, the, the idea is if, if in that particular situation of a guy's behind the net, what you do is you take away the post. You take away that inside post. One guy here on one post, one guy in the other post. And if you're going to force him to make a play, you force him to his back end to make the play. Exactly. Right? Um, some coaches will be, hey, if that guy's sitting there, I don't care. He's behind the net. He's not going to be able to score. But again, it's that situation is who's the most dangerous guy. It's the guy not behind the net guy doesn't have it. What I like about Tampa's game, what I like about Colorado's game, what I like about elite teams, top teams games is that they don't give you time and space to make plays. The offensive zone time is shut down as quickly as possible on entries into the zone. They're already on top of you. You watch Tampa and Colorado play, but Tampa especially is that the neutral zone is the most important zone because as soon as they lose the puck, they start tracking back and they shrink the ice and they stand up on their D. The gap is really tight. You have to have that back pressure immediately right away to then get on guys. It's like on a power plays when you're on the penalty kill and the other team comes in right away. There's that, there's that 15 second rule. Let's go get after them, get on them right away. Don't give them time to set up. And Tampa did an outstanding job against the Rangers, especially, and, and against um, um, Florida on not allowing offensive zone time. They shut it down. They protect the middle, and there wasn't a lot of cycle game going. There wasn't a lot of offensive zone time going for the opposition. And then they go. Then they're on their way. So I agree with you. One of the things that I'd like to see the Sharks do next year, and, and, and a lot of it has to do with who you got in the lineup, of course. Everything has to do with who you got in the lineup. Yeah. But that's something that Bob taught and practiced and worked on a lot. And that's something that they want to improve on is shutting down the offense or the, the offensive zone time or the defensive zone time for them, standing the time in their own zone, of course, increasing their offensive zone time. But without a doubt, if you're going to play in this game now and you're going to be successful in the NHL, you've got to, got to be able to take away everybody's time and space in the D zone, spend as little time possible and out the other way. Like Daryl Sutter talked about it in, in, just before the playoffs, he was asked about defensive zone hockey and Daryl. Uh, I love Daryl. He, five so, guys. Yeah. Five, five guys, five guys. Um, Daryl talked about, it's not, a, it's not about D zone, neutral zone, ozone. It's about checking when you have the puck and you lose it. You have to work as quickly and, and hard as possible to get it back because checking leads to puck possession. Puck possession leads to scoring chances. And that's what good teams do. They check. And you, you looked at you look at Tampa last night. My goodness me. They were dynamite. Just they, relentless. They made New York look like they were in slow motion. They really did. When that's hard to do considering how quick New York is. Yeah. I yeah. mean, and it's not like they don't have some key pieces on that. Whether Breadman, yeah. um, Oh God, who's a long-haired guy? Zabinajad. Oh, Zabinajad. Gee, I like him. What's <laughs> yeah. Ottawa oh, thinking on that one, eh? <laughs> what was Ottawa thinking on that one? Like Mika Zabinajad's great. Chris Kreider has become a superstar. He's always been good. Well, Luke I mean, Fox. It's um, always it's always fun to. Uh, I don't want to say revisionist history, but it's. Oh, always I do. I do fun. it all the time. Yeah, <laughs> but it's always fun to go back and look like Barabanov for Suomela. What the fuck yeah. is Toronto thinking? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. Look at. Um, the Drew and trade for uh, for Sergachev, how'd that work out? Yeah. I do it all the time. I get on the phone all the time. Just it's like, okay, what happened? But here's the other one. Um, thinking about a good guy, Sharky, Justin Braun had a hell of a good playoff, hell of a good year in in New York. I was kind of cheering for for Justin as well. He's a great dude. How can you not? Yeah. 
yeah, but super yeah. guy. I, I was pulling for New York, but uh, yeah, again, Tampa just yeah. amazing the way yeah. that the, the championship blood, if you will. Yeah. Uh, so let's uh, kind of well, let me ask you one more thing too about the playoffs before we get to the Sharks. Were you surprised that Edmonton handled Calgary as deftly as they did? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I was shocked by that. So was I. So was I. Because Daryl had had that team playing so well. Mm-hmm. And they were they were five guys. I mean, five guys here, five guys there, five guys there. That top line was a plus 300 or something like that. Yeah. Or they, or I'm sorry. They were, no, they were – I can't remember. They had 300 points and they were plus – it was ridiculous. Um, and their, their top line was shut down. I think it was, they were outscored 25 to two or something like that. In that it series. was horrific. Um, but you know what? It was the second game. It was after Cal- Calgary got up three, one. And all of a sudden Connor McDavid just went, Mm-mm. I'm not doing this shit again. <laughs> I, I'm not doing this anymore. And he took over. He made a huge step in his career and he took over the game, the series. They, he like, let's go, everybody come with me. And it was interesting. Remember when John Tortorella, I went, when um, Connor scored that amazing goal, I think it was against the Rangers or Winnipeg. He did it against both teams, but where, I think it was the Rangers where he goes through everybody and scores early in the season. Yeah. And everybody was like, Oh my God. And it was, it was, it was, it was an amazing goal. It was, a, it was a Connor McDavid gem. Yeah. Maybe goal of, the, of, of a lifetime. John Tortorella being the, at the time was uh, on ESPN, I think it was. And they asked him over, he goes, yep, great goal, wonderful, blah, 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 great skill. But he's going to need to change the way he plays if he wants to be a true successful player in the playoffs. And everybody went, oh, you dinosaur, what the hell are you talking about, Tortorella? No wonder you're not coaching anymore, blah, blah, blah. Well, guess what? Guess what Connor did in the playoffs? He did exactly what John said he had to do. So the old coach was pretty smart after all. And Connor did. He changed as a player. He became he was relentless. He was tough to play against. He was over the puck all the time. He dumped it in and chased. He hit, went to the body. He went to the front of the net. He didn't just rely on skill. He played hard away from the puck. So I guess John still knows what he's talking about. Uh, I, I love see that's the whole thing is there's a part of me that loves torts on ESPN because he's, you know, he'll say those things yeah. that people go, what the fuck are you talking about? Yeah. But but I, I got to say, I also miss his post-game pressers. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Especially in New York with, with Brooksy. Yeah, right? Right? Oh, uh, that's oh, what I'm oh. saying, Brooksy. Um, <laughs> All right. Rumor is, he's, uh, rumor is he, he's, um, he's back. He's talking to a few teams. And like uh, Philly. Philly is uh... one, one of the front runners in Philly. If depends on what Barry Trotz wants to do. Everybody wants uh, Barry. But um, that Bruce Cassidy's now in the mix. But yeah, I mean, it's, uh, I would love to see John back. John is one of my favorite people in the National Hockey League. And... Um, I think one of the most misunderstood individuals ever. If you want to talk to John, you want to talk hockey, you just want to talk life or anything else. He is a man to talk to. And any man, you know, I think, I think it was Gandhi and I'm going to paraphrase it, who once said that you can judge a, you can judge people on how they treat animals. Well, John, John is huge with uh, supporting animals. And when he was in, in Columbus, he had, a, he had a, a ranch in, in just outside of Columbus and the, he would take care of dogs and, you know, he would do all these things. Okay. 
And the Columbus or Ohio SPCA, they came across two animals, uh, two horses who had been starved and were really in bad shape. They didn't have anywhere to put them. So they called John. John said, absolutely, bring them on out. And he nursed those horses. He and his, his family nursed those horses back to health. And he showed me pictures back in the day. It was so cool. Um, they were emaciated when he got them and really sickly. And then after he had them for a while, they're pictures of health. John's, a, John's like Daryl. Bark is way worse than his bite, man. These are sweet people. Well, where, where do you think coaches uh, are going to end up? I mean, you got Torts, you got Trots, you got Peter DeBoer. You know, it's a lot of guys. Apparently, uh, who was, who was uh, Detroit? Apparently, Detroit is looking at Peter DeBoer. But I heard Barry Trotz has got the inside track on whichever club he wants. Wow. Big shock. It was, yeah. I, I, I break big news like that. You know, I bring the, I bring the stuff that isn't obvious. Thank Captain obvious. Um, you're you're going to take over for Kevin Weeks. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Bruce Cassidy threw a, threw a little bit of a wrench into everything. Right. I mean, they didn't expect Bruce Cassidy. He, they, Bruce Cassidy was told by Bob Sweeney that you're good. No problem. Yep. Then the exit interviews came, and then obviously the players had just had enough listening to them. That's what happens. And I've heard so, uh, bonuses out there as well. Yeah, Ricky. Yeah, Ricky. I talked. I, we I, we exchanged texts. I love Rick Bonus. I know I've said now everybody on the. I've told you I, I've loved everybody, but I do. <laughs> um, uh, Ricky just he just he retired from or, or resigned, and so Dallas is looking for somebody. Um, but Ricky, Ricky's been in the league since he was, well, a player, but coaching since he was 29 years old as an assistant coach or a head coach. And he and I were talking because um, I did the one game for TNT, uh, the Calgary-Dallas thing. And Ricky is, he's always like well over 2,500 games. You know, that's a ton of games. My favorite Ricky story is um, uh, we were, uh, the Sharks were in Vancouver and he's assistant coach and uh, Henrik Sedin or Daniel walks by and, uh, and he, he says, see you, Ricky. And Rick goes, see you, Danny. And they walk away. And I looked and I said, how'd you know it was Daniel? And he goes, I don't, I, I just call them both Daniel and I'm going to get it right 50% of the time. <laughs> <laughs> see, well, I've seen some speculation uh, you think Pavelski would advocate for PDB in Dallas? I don't know. Cause I don't know their relationship. I, I mean, they, he, he sure liked Peter. He played very well for him, you know, and Peter's a hell of a coach. You know, I, I think this year though, um, you might have to learn how to handle like Pete's not warm and fuzzy. I don't know him very well, but he's certainly not a warm and fuzzy guy. And that human connection that is so important now with coaches that, that, that human touch, I, I don't think that's Peter's strong point. Um, but, um, Joe Pavelski might, I, I, he had great years under them, but we're with him. I, I mean, and so he might, um, you know, I'd advocate for Joe Pavelski myself. Oh yeah, of course. I mean, I, mean, you talk I do Bergeron. Guys. I did. I put, I put Bergeron too. And I, I Bergeron and Pavelski could be player <laughs> coaches. That's what I think. Oh, absolutely. Uh, you talk about warm and fuzzy, uh, you know, for that brief time that Bugner was at, uh, John McClain. Yeah. So impressive in the media He's sessions. Good dude. Yeah. Yeah. He John's, was... Yeah. John, I tell you what, that, that coaching staff, I was impressed 
that was not, that's not an easy team to coach. I mean, you, you, know, no. you, you're, you, you know, you've got a lot of work to do and there's times that you would want to bang your head, you know, against the glass, but they were patient. They were upbeat, exuberant. Now I'd love to hear some of the times that the, in, inside the room when, you know, yeah. that coaching staff bust their ass and always pre- presented a positive front. And we're always upbeat. And, and I, I would love though to be sometimes, what are they really saying? You know, with the ear up against the door, because you got to, you know, you still have to be able to kick somebody in the rear end and get them going. But sure. I thought they, I thought they did a great job. I was really impressed. Everybody, from Charlie to Boogs, I thought they did were great. Well, and I mean, in Booger, I mean, he straight up called it out a few times in the media sessions where he's like, "Look, we're not an elite team, so yeah. we have to work harder than everybody else in order to get wins." And I thought they did. I thought like one yeah. thing that. I talked about all the time is they worked their asses off. They were a hardworking team. Now I know people would say, well, that should be a given. You're right. It should. But when you're losing more than you're winning, sometimes that work ethic slides because you're, Oh, it's human nature. It's not lack of professionalism. It's, it's human nature. It's just like, here we go again, but they didn't, they raged against the night as much as they could. I, I was I was very impressed for how much Bob was able to squeeze their, the effort out of them. Yeah. There was more than a few times that we talked about over this last season that there were games where the sharks came back. They should like, they might not have won the game, but they yeah. got it. The, you know, they're down two goals and they send it to they're down three goals and they tie it up or at least get back into it. Whereas like last season, season four, they're waving the white flag exactly. at that point. Exactly. So, so, there's there's hundred percent right and and they knew it too like that was the one thing i think they really prided themselves on is that we're just going to keep coming after you we're going to keep working till the end and that's that's a building block that's a that's a non-negotiable this is what we have to do and that's something that i think you know if you're looking what's coming up to the future that's one of the building blocks is that we are not going to quit we are going to keep playing no matter what relentless is a great trait for a good team all right so let's then move on to the sharks. So tops off the first off uh, sharks are still looking at uh, GM candidates at this point. How'd your interview go, by the way, (laughs) we're short. Just like me. It's like we, it was short. The uh, there's, that's a job. I, I would not want, we're not, not just because not just for the sharks, any GM job. I think it's a thankless job, (laughs) but it's, it's really a, a huge change when you think about it. You know, you had Jack Farrar who was there for a year and then you had Dean for a long period of time. And, and we, at, for that first year with Dean, it was Dean, Chuck Gorilla and George Kingston were kind of the three headed monster. Didn't work out very well. Um, but then Dean came in and did what he did and laid the foundation. Doug took over and 19 years with Doug, 19 years. Yeah, it's amazing. It's amazing. It really is. Uh, and now it's a new path, a new direction. And I like, I like the fact that they're taking their time. I was, people were like, what about the draft? What about the draft? Well, Tim Burke's got the draft. I mean, the well, draft is all about the junior the scouts. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Doug, yeah. Doug and Joe will and uh, Doug jr. And Joe will, but Tim Burke, especially um, that's, that's his job. That's they've, they've got that. The GM goes there and he's the guy who gets to walk up and go, you know, and then, GM's going to be pissed at me now. Um, and you announce the name and you look nice in your suit. <clears throat> of course, but you, you're right. Cause I see go. it so the much. Do the work. 
yeah, I, I see so much of this on social media. Like, I can't believe the sharks are dragging ass and they haven't found a G. And I'm like, would you rather them knee jerk react and take the first guy and not do due diligence? Right. Do you think that they haven't been looking at this draft for months and months of like, of course they the pre- yeah, preparation has been done. But, you know, people, no, I want to see the white smoke over the building. We have to name a new one, you know? It's like, you know, what I, take a What breath. I like about San Jose, what I like about the Sharks, uh, Doug Wilson, uh, Jonathan Becker, Hasso Plattner, if they hire you to do something, they expect you to do it. Yeah. You know? And Tim Burke has been doing this for a long time. He knows what he's doing. He's got this. They've got this organized. It's You're really... No offense to any general managers out there. You really don't need the GM for the draft. They're going to be fine draft-wise. And you look and, at the last three drafts. I think Junior yeah. has more than impressed. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. They've done their job. And so you, I'm not worried about that. You, you want to find the right guy. And if it takes until July 1st, if it takes till July 30th, whenever it takes till, you want to, of course, give him time to get in and get acclimated and get to make his decisions what he wants. But um, Hassel Plattner and Jonathan Becker didn't get to where they got to in life by doing, like you said, knee jerk. Oh, we got to fix it right away. Let's get the right guy. Let's get uh, the right guy. You know, in in my daily job life, uh, it's, you know, it should be on every, uh, (laughs) every developer's cubicle or their screensaver that just says, do you want it done now? Or do you want it done right? right? Yeah. You know? It's the, it's the, it's the Twitter uh, era we live in. Yeah. Get it first, get it first, get it first. Nah, well, how about we get it right? How about we well, get it truthful? Right, you know? Remember, remember when you were a kid and you're like reading a comic book, or you're reading something. And if there was ever something to be ordered, like out of magazine, it allows six to eight weeks for, eight delivery. Weeks for delivery. People's yeah. today, their heads would fucking <laughs> explode. explode over that. Exactly. But no, exactly. man, Amazon Prime, <laughs> two days, bitches. Yeah. <laughs> drone just pff, drops it on your doorstep. That's yeah. it. We're good. Instant yeah. gratification. Exactly. Right yeah. So we know Boogie has a year left on his deal. So is that going to be tough for him? I mean, if the, you know, new it GM is, comes right? in. Well, yeah, because it, it always is. The new GM always wants his, his guy. He, the new GM will have an idea of, of who he wants. It may be bought. It may be, but it yeah. is. But to, the one thing that, that I am getting better at, and it's only taken me 60 years on earth, <laughs> is the controllables, is focusing on the controllables. And really, honestly, that's just happened in the last little while. I've got a great therapist. And so as a coach, that was something you really, you, you tell your guys, we focus on things we can control. And so for Bob, Bob's just doing what Bob has to do to be ready. First of all, he deserves some time away to rest and relax, but you know, he's back at it right away. You know, he's watching everything. I know coaches and I I sat with, um, sat with one last year uh, before I came back to the Sharks, we watched every playoff game. He had all the playoff games broken down. We went through all the playoff games, um, looking at how teams do things, especially how Tampa did things. But um, that's what they do. They coach. So Bob's getting himself ready for the season until he finds out otherwise. And I hope he doesn't find out otherwise. I hope they keep him. I really like Bob. I think Bob's an outstanding coach. But yeah, it is, it's, it's the business that they're in, though. You know, Boogie's going to be if even if they said, we're going to our new GM. I, I don't, if, if a GM came in late, I don't know if he would switch it up right away. 
And I don't think he would have reason to. Yeah. Because of, because of the just past stuff we talked about with this coaching staff, but it's just, that's, that's the job. That's what it well, is. It, Go ahead. And, well, I was going to say, just, I don't know that it, there, you know, there's, of course there's no success. Ah, get another fucking coach. We need, you know, yeah. somebody's head must roll. And it's, well, now wait a minute. You know, he came in, he replaces PDB halfway through the season. The next season he's his entire training yeah. camps in Arizona and like 12 of the first 14 games are away. You know, it's like this year he finally got the start. And then even what was it like a couple, like a week or so yeah. before the season starts, uh, Rocky Thompson's out. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> yeah. So it's just like, and you have the cane, then you have the cane thing and everything else. So, yeah. So when, when you look at like, again, I'll go back. I just think Bob's a hell of a coach. I think he's a hell of a human being. I really like that coaching staff. I think they did a, a bang up job. Um, of course, they will tell you that they need to do more and they need to do other things. And they're right. But they're, I was really impressed with them. Um, they, they, they pushed as many buttons as they could. But again, it's, it's the job is, if, and we've seen it in the past, if, if a new GM comes in, chances are he'll be looking at somebody that he's had a past relationship with that he likes as a coach. So who knows? Yeah. Oh, boy. They're going to look at Zettler. Oh, I love Robbie Zettler. <laughs> Original Sharky, man. Yeah. Original Sharky. Well, and I mean, and there are, there's already been talk that, you know, that they've spoken with Mike Greer, spoken with Ray Whitney. I mean, what are the chances are that the next GM is a former Shark in some way, shape, or form? Well, Mike Greer is, boy, boy that was, that'd be interesting because there, certainly there is, there is management and coaching in, in that family line of the Greers, of course, in the NFL. Um, Ray Whitney is one of the smartest players I've ever been in, involved with in my life. I'll tell you the Ray Whitney story. Wh wh which one? <laughs> the one where so we're playing Calgary in the playoffs. And um, so game, we're going into game six. We're down three to two, of course, in that series. And um, we, we, had a, we had a coaches meeting. Kevin sends everybody away before game six, like the, the day before. Everybody get out of here. Come back at five o'clock. We're going to sit down and we're going to, how do we keep this season going? Come back with your best ideas. So we all bugger off for about an hour and a half and we come back and we sit down and we're having a discussion about what's got to, what's got to go on. And one of my things was, cause I was upstairs at the time with the video being the video. And um, I said, you need me on the bench. I worked for Dave King who was coaching Calgary at the time. I know Dave King. I know what he's doing. Plus the bench is dead. I can see the bench is dead. You need me on the bench. And, he, and so we talked about all the things. So Kevin came to me the next day, said, okay, you're coming on the bench. I went, yes. <laughs> so <laughs> it was all bullshit what I was saying. <laughs> I, just, I just sold it. So I get on the bench that game six and I am a cheerleader. Okay. Get it out. Chip it, chip it. Get, help him, help him. I'm like this. I'm <laughs> Wits comes back to the bench after one shift where they spend an exorbitant amount of time in, in our zone. Wits comes back to the bench. He's furious. And he goes, JD. I went, what? Because James Drew, they call it. That's what they, he called me. It was JD. I went, what? He goes, shut the fuck up. <laughs> we can hear you. We're the only guy we hear. We know we got to get it out. We know. Thanks. They're on top of us. We know we got to help out. He's screaming at me on the bench. And he's just like, shut up. Just shut up. He's just beside himself. I mean, oh, okay, Wits. Okay. 
So I calm the hell down. Game goes on. He scores a big goal in the third. Okay. Big goal in the third. And he comes back to the bench. Crowd's going crazy and blah, 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 blah. Everything's every bench high fiving each other. And I just, this, he's sitting right in front of me. And he turns and goes, okay. Shaking him. But it was a really good lesson. So really, it was a really good lesson. That is, if you're a cheerleader, you're freaking done. You're not a cheerleader on the bench if you're a coach. You're a coach, yeah. so act 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 accordingly. You know, um, it's it, it was a really good lesson. It was it was, but it was a good one. You know, it was a good one to learn too. Well, what was the the Larry Onoff story? Tell him it only is going to fucking work. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you go, Drew. Drew, you don't work hockey. You play hockey. Okay, thanks, thanks, Igor. <laughs> Well, there's obviously going to be roster changes over the summer. Uh, yeah. Let's start in net. I mean, who do you think is out the door? Because they're not going to carry three. So, I mean, what makes most sense? It's, it's way above my pay grade. You know that, AJ. I, yeah, I, but you know, I, I don't know. But I, I, I tell you Kak, what. I thought Kakinen was most impressive. Although Reimer had a hell of a season, not to take any, anything away from him. And, you know, because you hear Brody, Brody talked about the state of the Sharks a couple of weeks ago. He did a cast and it was starting the season. It was the mindset of kind of having the 1A, 1B. We're going right. to have Hill. We're going to have Rhymes. We're going to have Hill. Right. We're going to have Rhymes. And then whether it was a COVID bug or it was an injury thing or whatever, then it was Rhymes, 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 Hills, Hills, right. Hills, Hills. So at this point, I mean, maybe did Hill between injury or uh sickness or illness is probably the the better way yeah. to phrase that yeah um i think he's starting i think he's starting i think he's starting behind the eight ball yeah you know, i thought like james reimer was to me he he is was fantastic super he couldn't yeah. have asked for james or anything more i'll tell you um, my uh yeah. they they send out the you know the the media vote thing right for right. player and media mm -hmm. good guy and blah 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 but mine too Team MVP. I had yep. Reimer. I yep. had Reimer at number one. Yep, I agree. And um, you know, you can go Hurdle. You can you can go Meyer. Meyer. Yeah. But 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 James was, was James. He was fantastic. And plus, he's a veteran. Plus, he's a leader. Plus, he's an outstanding person. Um, I, I don't know Capo. You know, I, I we'll see. I think he's there's some raw uh, um, skill and talent there. I'd like to see him with a year of of you know, getting the Bakov tutelage and whispering in his ear. Mm -hmm. um but I, I don't know i don't know when you look at when you look at what they're doing in net um i don't think it's a position they need to stress over but they need like every place they need to improve they need to but james would james would be on my team i'll tell you that i think he's i think he's been fantastic i think he was fantastic so then i move out to the blue line which of well, course what are you gonna do you're, you're set at blue line really when you look at it contract wise and and the way that some guys played you're what are you doing yeah right? but you know did you did you watch or hear brent burns's exit talk with the with the media because i've never seen him that kind of i I'm not, i don't want to say like on the fence or wishy-washy but he certainly didn't seem committed to being a shark next season for lack of a better way to phrase that it was how many just more years he got left in his contract i think it's three yeah I'm going to go and to... you know, it's like, uh, you, you can play with this boy and be close to his ranch. If he goes to Dallas, 
you know, yeah. fire, start, start firing those pucks. And hey, that gives uh, what Klingberg an exit strategy, right? <laughs> they Certainly bring in burns. <laughs> Certainly does. Listen, um, I, you know, it came out, of course, that they they were exploring trades with Eric Carlson and, and Brent Burns, and well, they should have been. Who the and, hell is taking Eric Carlson's uh, deal, though? I don't know. I don't know if you can. I mean, that contract. I mean, dude, remember he, when Roberto Luongo was? Remember when he had that big contract and Roberto Luongo came out when they were trying to trade him from Vancouver, and he said, "My contract sucks." Yeah, no, he tweeted it. Yeah, yeah, and <laughs> his contract did suck. Yeah, and it and it it sucks because of the you can have a no move contract, you know, as have that in your contract, but the the amount of money and the amount of term you have in your contract is <laughs> kind of makes it a no move contract, right? Exactly. No, that's the whole thing. It's like he doesn't even need to have that clause. They no. just look at what yeah, his yeah, pay yeah. is and they go, yeah, yeah, that guy's not getting moved. You know, so when I when I look right now as at the D. So you got Carlson, Burns, Vlasic, uh, Shimmick, Merkley, Ferraro. Magna, Ferraro. Jeez, I like that kid boy. And yeah. Nicholas Malosh. Like but from, oh, don't forget about Kanijov. All right, Kanijov is there too. And yeah. And um, Malosh? Hadika, I, I said Malosh. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, oh, and so, Gannon Right. So you're whatever you're doing, it's going to take some finagling one way or the other. If you're going to, if you're going to try to move guys out, I mean, there, there are, there are certain options. I mean, Brent Burns would bring back a valuable amount of um, players and talent and um, prospects without a doubt. But, but would the sharks have to eat a little salary? Oh yeah, sure. They would, Yeah, it, but it's, it's, well, it depends who you trade them to, but there's not a lot of room. Like if you look at what teams are doing out there, as far as their contracts go, or there's not a lot of room for teams to be able to take on, contract money it's tough right now in in the nhl you, you spend so to the always cap. arizona <laughs> yeah yeah exactly but you spend to the cap so uh, but I, I, d wise i don't think i don't think they're going to well it will it will take it will take some work to to change that up so a lot of fans have been clamoring for the buyout of one mark edward blast now if you listen to joe will towards it, those exit interviews he seemed very I don't know, just that he thinks that Blacks is going to have a rebound year or whatever. For me, I think it's a year too early to consider buyout. And if he has another subpar year, I'm like, you know what? Make him the highest paid seventh defenseman in the NHL. I don't care. Yeah. But I think it's too early to buy him out when you know how long that penalty is going to be stretched out for. But yeah, it, but you know it, what is so this is going to be boring because, yeah, I absolutely agree with you. I think <laughs> I, and I, I agree with Joe. Will. I think I think Mark. Well, Mark, you could tell Mark knew that he was, you know, Mark's not a dumb guy. Yeah. Mark's a smart player. Mark knows where he was as a, the, one of the most um, sought after and one of the most um, highly respected defensive defensemen in the game. He just didn't make mistakes. Um, he needs, to, I think he needs to change his training. I think he needs to change because he's getting older, right? So we all have to yeah. change our training. We have to, we have to change of how we stay in shape or how we get to our, our, peak performance levels. I think he needs to do that. Um, and come back with, with, a, with an attitude of, I'm going to show you guys. Yes. And he has, he has that in him. He has that in him early in his career. He really had that in him. So I agree with Joe. Will. I agree with you. I think it's too early. And I think that Mark can come back and be a guy that, that makes, you, you, you'll never be able to go back and reach your heyday. Your, your prime is your prime for a reason, but he will be better than he was last year. Well, I, I'll tell you, you talk about 
how his intellect. Yeah. But I will say, I don't know that there's a guy who is better at playing dumb than he is, because oh, I, I will tell you, yeah. sometimes in those media sessions, they'll be like, well, you know, they would bring it up. They would talk about, yeah. you know, maybe getting moved or whatever. And there's like, you know, would you, you know, are you willing to, uh, would you discuss or consider waving your no move? And he's like, I didn't even realize I had a new no move yeah. until you said it. Yeah. Everybody, bullshit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but that's the Mike Ricci thing. Mike Ricci, the funniest guy in the world, but most boring interview ever. <laughs> he, he did it on purpose. He'd throw cliche after cliche at you, and you just got tired of talking to him. So, so I asked him once about it, and he said, well, that's why I do it. I don't want to talk to you guys. I, I don't want to be out here on camera. So that's why he does it. So he doesn't, he gives you zero information. It's like Donald Rumsfeld during the Iraq invasion. Remember, you know, we have our known knowns and our known unknowns and all that stuff. And, and that's, that is just, to say that yeah. there are things that we know we know, and there are things that we don't know that we don't know. Exactly. <laughs> and, and we so know this. We're going to give you as little information as possible and you're just going to take it. That's the way it is. So that's oh. what, that's what Mark does. But he's, a, he's nothing Mark does is by accident <laughs> ever well, up front. Uh, we, we are, there's a significant group of RFAs, right? Yep. Shemilevsky, Dolan, yep. Gadjevic, Gregor, Leonard. Um, and there's along with those, are you, oh, well, let me ask you this. I'm looking Is, at the lineup right now. Yeah. Uh, well, between uh, Ferraro, Shemilevsky, Dolan, Gadjevic, Gregor, Leonard, all of those guys that are RFA, I, are you as surprised that I am that something hasn't gotten done at least for Ferraro yet? Because they've already yeah, taken care yes, of Barabanov, right? Yes, yes, and no, because we've we've talked about GM wise what's going on. I think Mario would be a little bit of a harder of a harder contract to do because of how um, good he was and how important he is to the team. So obviously, that's a little bit more of a um, uh, complicated contract. Is that term. a bridge deal or a long haul? Uh, I think um, he'd be a guy I'd want to build around. You know, I, I I think he's he's a foundation guy for me. You talk so about think a that, player coach. Oh my that, goodness me! I love that kid. That's a he's, guy. <laughs> he's got he's got juice, man. Like I, um, we were on on the plane, and Ryan Sten, who does all the travel for the Sharks, and he just does. He's so good. He's so good at everything. But being Ryan, he takes a lot of crap from the guys, right? I mean, he just <laughs> takes that side. He's he, everything. If we're delayed five minutes, it's Ryan's fault, right? But Stanner handles it better than anybody. It's water off a duck's back. It's great. But um, Mario Ferraro was just on the plane one day. And I turned and I looked around. It was my, my first year back. Hey, I don't know Mario. I don't know the whole situation. I turn and I look at uh, I look at Stanner. I, I kind of gave him the shrug and he goes, he's the new jumbo. I went, oh, okay, uh, I got it. I got it. Chirpy McChirpus. Exactly. exactly. So, <laughs> but he's, he's, he's beautiful that way. I mean, he was, he, uh, you know, I, I, I think about Mario Ferraro and I think about the, the injuries that he had. Um, but the guy, man, he wants to play. He fights through everything. It's amazing. So, yeah, it's he's a guy that he's a foundation guy for me. Well, there's a lot of exciting prospects, right? We kind of hinted to that earlier with Eklund, Bortolo, yeah. Coe, Weisblatt, Gushkin, um, guys that have gotten extended looks, whether it's Merkley, Reedy, Weatherby. Um, Hataka, Leonard, is there anybody in particular you're going to be watching? Or I'm sorry, is there anybody in particular coming up this season that you're going to bother to learn how to pronounce their name? Wise Wyatt. <laughs> That's the guy? Yeah, yeah. He played up here in Saskatchewan. 
in the dub in, in uh, Prince Albert. Um, yeah, go ahead. Sorry, my son wants to know if he should provide some light for the situation. So um, I said, I let's said, frame the shot. Damn yeah, it. let's frame the shot. <laughs> he knows everything. Thanks, son. Thanks, Donald. Um, so yeah, I, I like Ozzy and he had a good year. I talked to his coach, Mark Habscheid, who's a very, very intelligent, smart guy, coaching the NHL, playing the NHL. I had a lot of good things to say about Ozzy. So I'm really interested to see him. How impressed are you with the uh, Bordalo with the limited time that he had up? Oh my goodness. Kids got I mean, game, right? Does he remind you maybe just a little bit of Koryu, just based on stature? But oh yeah, there's you know, a, there's but, a good comparison. Yeah, but way to move, play without fear. Yeah, that's what, what, right. Like, okay, I this is I've done this. I don't care who I'm playing against. I'm playing. He was so impressive. And the other guy I really liked was Noah Gregor. Noah figured it out. It's a hard lead to figure out, right? I mean, it's a tough league. But Noah figured it out, and you could see it game after game after game near the end of the year, say the last third of the season. He was one of the better sharks consistently, game in, game out. Just but yeah, couldn't I, fucking score. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You see, get the uh, Sean Donovan. You know, yeah. You, you look at the uh, the stats at but the end of the game. Get, yeah, yeah. leading SOG, and yeah. you're like, God damn! When this kid can yeah. find the back of the net, he's going to be a lot of fun. Shoot and go to the net. Shoot and go to the net. Pull the paths, man. Shoot and follow, shoot and follow, shoot and follow. Right. Make yourself, make yourself a goal scorer. Oh, well, Easier okay. said than done. <laughs> of course. Uh, so let's uh, let's cycle away for a second here. We saw you come back a little, little yeah. bit more, a little bit more <laughs> this season. So, or will we, we hope, see? Yeah. Will we see even what? more of you next season? Oh, God, do you really need to see more of me? Um, Absolutely. <laughs> it was AJ. I will tell you this, and I said this after a while. I came back to the Sharks and it was honestly the best year of my life as far as my career goes. Um, I think if you work for the San Jose Sharks for any extended period of time, I said 10 years, you should have to leave, go work for somebody else, just so you know how damn good you've got it in San Jose. Because where you live, the people that you work with, I can I, and I can say this without hyperbole or exaggeration. They are the best people I've ever been around in my life. Besides my family. Well, they are my family. Um, the fans, again, I've told you this before. I don't know what I did. I don't, and I guess I shouldn't question it, but they have been so good to me. And, and, and I don't know what I did to deserve that. I'm so thankful and grateful for it this year. I came back and I had, I wrote on my game sheet every, every day, be humble, be grateful, be thankful. Are you stealing notes out of Baker's notebook? No, that makes so a lot of me. You know, <laughs> I, I just, I just, those are the things I just wrote just to myself. Cause listen, somebody asked me what happened before I was an egotistical asshole. That's what happened before. I was Drew friggin' Remenda. I was big head. Here, which ME do you want me to show you? I was, I watch a video with the coaches. Todd McCollin's a friend of mine. I'm, I know what's going on more than you know what's going on. I was a jerk. I really was. Now, it takes like, humility sometimes, is like I, I told you earlier, lessons learned in pain are lessons best remembered. Um, that was a painful lesson. And I was gone for a long time. And how many guys get a chance to come back to the team? after being gone that long. Well, and it seemed 
like a like I don't I don't know like a slow burn where it was kind of like okay we'll do some hits pre and post game or yeah. you know some stuff yeah. there in in limited doses, and then this year it was kind of like okay we're we'll do some pre post stuff at, at one point you carried it when Brody was like onto the A's or whatever yeah. and you, yeah you know you I actually yeah, I hosted it. hosted twice yeah, yeah. I hosted twice yeah. so there was that and then by the plus, way Brody makes it Brody makes it look way easier than it is <laughs> he's i hate to say it, but Brody's really good <laughs> the first the, oh god i sucked the first day it was so bad at it second day i was better but i was so bad at it first first day well, yeah it, you know what it, it grew into into more than we thought it was going to be but some of it had to do with covid some of it had to do with scheduling you know we didn't travel and stuff like that i was one of those guys that didn't get sick i was one of those guys that didn't get didn't get, catch the virus and i was one of those guys also I, you know, I was available. I don't have a young family anymore. My, my, my boys are 25. My daughter's 30. I've got a granddaughter now. I'm um, Michelle is more than happy to see me get the hell out of the, get the hell out of the house. Um, so but you and Hasso have patched it up. Is that what it is? Well, <laughs> you know, I got, it was, it was more, um, he was gracious and, um, magnanimous and letting me come back. Jonathan Becker had a lot to do with it. Scott Emmert had a lot to do with it. Doug Wilson had a lot to do with it. Um, Danny, Danny Rizanowski, Randy Hahn, Brett Hedekin, Sean Madison. I owe a lot of people, AJ. I am, I will, I will never forget the kindness that was, that has been shown to me. And like I said, I am, I'm so proud to be back as a San Jose shark. Can, can, I, I, remember. Tell, can I tell you a funny story? Sure. All right. And, and I can probably say this now that John Totora is not no longer with the Sharks. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh but i think it was what was it that first year um that you were gone yeah and uh the, there was a group of us that were a little pissed off <laughs> we're like how do you because if you remember at that time there was so much change it was uh yeah they brought they went from the uh the the the, the great people that take care of the ice during intermissions that come out and with yeah. the scoopers and clean it all that, that they used to come out in black track suits. And all of a sudden right. it was like, Oh no, let's get the girls in the skimpy yeah, ice girls. And all, yeah. Like yeah, Chicago and everything else. Yeah. Yeah. yeah exactly. Yeah. So they yeah. brought that in. They, the, they didn't renew your contract. There was uh God, I, I know that there was something else, but there were yeah. like three things that all happened. And I just remember just, I I'm a, a an avid fan. Right. I, and, and I'm a, a ice girls. Fine. You got rid of fucking Remenda. I'm pissed off. And <laughs> I think it's kind of, yeah, we were at, I think it was, we were at fan fest or something like that. And I saw Totoro walking along the, uh, the, the concourse there and I was just yeah. bring back Drew. <laughs> and, you know, and he turns around he's like, eh, you know, it keeps going. And Don then like, fan. <laughs> Oh yeah. Opening night or something like that. You know, for whatever reason, I see Totoro in the concourse, bring back Drew <laughs> three or four times to the point where I bump into him at the, on the club level sometime, yeah. I don't know, like game eight or nine of the season or whatever. He comes up to me. He goes, AJ, I get it. You, you are a passionate fan. I see you here a lot. I'm going to tell you what. I'm going to give you two tickets on the glass. And, uh, and, and I'm going to give you guys dinner at the, you know, back before the, yeah. the, the BMW lounge, back right. was the, the grill. The grill. Like, I'm going to give you dinner. He goes, and I will do this if you can go the rest of the season without going, bring back to Drew every time you see me. <laughs> and I said, did you get it? Yeah. I, oh, of good, course. Good I absolutely took good. it. Good. Take yeah, Take it. Can't be because had. It can be bought. Yeah. Well, because I told my friends, I'm like, 
I couldn't say it anymore. He didn't say you guys couldn't say it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks, buddy. Thanks. I appreciate it. But yeah, I mean, this was, it was, it was such a great year personally, uh, but here's the other thing. I get to come back and work with Danny and Randy and Brett, Sean Madison, Scotty Hannon, Brody, Brownie. I mean, the, the, the people I get to work with, like working with Danny after the first, after the first game, I think Donovan, my boys, Donovan Davis listened to it and they, they, cause I was nervous coming back. I was nervous, but people well, I've been gone for seven years. Right. So, I mean, geez, Will people still remember me? Am I the, still the same broadcaster? And uh, according to Ray Tufts, the great athletic therapist, I'm not. I'm, I've gone soft. <laughs> so he told me one day, you're you so Hong, soft. <laughs> you and Randy bring out the best in each other. But he said, um, but um, Donovan uh, and Davis said, you know what? Drewski, they call me Drewski. They haven't called me dad since grade eight. So they said, Drewski, you, you've still got it. You're still an analyst. But Danny, Danny's the man. Uh, yeah, Danny knows it. That was my because my first game back with Danny working there. I hadn't worked with Danny forever, right? So good. And then we sat with Randy. The first first game with Randy was it was like old times. I, I text him, like I text him back after the game when I was going back to the hotel. Working with you was so great. And, and then he, he was yeah, okay, settle down. It's like we've done this for relax. It's, I'm telling you, you guys have a chemistry that is just, yeah. uh, it, it's hard to find it. Uh, you know, one of my favorite this year, was it against Florida? I forget what it was, but there was something that the Sharks were just like not doing very well. And Randy is just, you know, is, oh, there's frustration. You're pulling your hair out if you have any. And you're <laughs> yeah. like, oh, come on, yeah. man. <laughs> it was like terrible. Like, he's just like shot after shot. But you know what the other thing was? It's, we're standing there. We're doing that. We're doing um, our stand up, and we're standing there. And I look at him, and, and then I look down, and I look back at the camera, and I look back down at his shoes. And he goes, "What?" I said, "Am I shrinking? Like, you're, you're freaking taller than me." And he goes, "I've always been taller." You went, "No, like what are you, are you wearing? Lifts? What's going like?" And you like I'm now when we're together. Like I, I'm, I am like, I got good posture anyway, but I'm re like really up now because I've I got, no, I don't have much going for me now anymore. So it was that, that part was, I at least thought we were the same height. He's still so damn good looking in the tan and the gray hair. Now he looks so damn good. Oh, Devilishly but, handsome that he is. Right. Uh, the, uh, Oh God. What a beautiful woman. What's Andrea. Yeah. Andrea. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, the puff or the, uh, the cupcakes. cupcakes. Oh yeah. my Lord. She's um, so sweet. She's way too yeah. good for him. He has yeah. outkicked his coverage. Uh, no, he's yeah. punching up. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. We all, hey. <laughs> right. Yep. Yeah. 40 uh, years well, with the same woman. Can you imagine being stuck with me for 40 friggin' years? <laughs> well, you mentioned yeah. Ruzanowski earlier. So you, yeah. are you doing something with him on the sharks audio network? Yeah, we're doing Yeah. Every, we do a couple times a week. We decided we're just going to talk the playoffs and, uh, um, so we, we do it every couple times a week. I think it's Friday and what we're depending on the schedule. So we'll do it tomorrow and then we'll do it, uh, probably Thursday after their Friday. So we'll see, but yeah, we do it. We've done it all playoffs, just some fun, just to try to build that network up, you know, get, get some more things going. We're looking at other things that we could probably do during the season that can bring us, you know, some more, uh, more ears to the, to the computer. Well, content is king. Yes. Without uh, doubt, you know I that. I see we're uh, we're on limited time again, so I'm going to see if you can okay. get to this real quick. I was asked to ask you about this. He said, okay. Eric, you know Eric. Yeah, I know guy. Eric, of course. Yeah. He goes, ask Drew about the Timo Solani Mick Magoo story. Oh, and I'm like, okay. what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> remember, remember when we were down low? Well, we were 
back in the old days where we were down low in the, yeah 250 yeah so <laughs> there's <laughs> there's a goal scoring Taylor scores but it's being contested okay so <laughs> and mixer in Saskatchewan Mick and I so it's being contested and back then they were starting to phone back like in 93 or whatever when it could have been that whenever it was they started going to replay and so um, it's going back and forth. They're on the phone and, and, and Tamu looks up at me and I stand up because I watch it. I stand up and I go, that's a goal. <laughs> that's a goal. That's a goal. And Tamu turns and goes, Mick, Drew says it's a goal. <laughs> and Mick Magoo goes, who the fuck is Drew? <laughs> <laughs> and Tamu goes, it's him up there. He's our broadcaster. It's him. He says it's a goal. <laughs> and Mick goes, well, I don't give a shit what he says. Of course he thinks it's a goal. <laughs> but yeah, that was, that was Mick Magoo. And, uh, you know, he, he's a good old man. He passed away. He's a Saskatchewan guy. He just, he passed oh. away just a, a few years ago. Um, but I, I talked to his son a couple of times. His son, um, had him on our radio show back here. I do in Saskatchewan. He's, he's a good man, but I'll tell you my other ref one. I, we, we got about like a few minutes left. But so a couple of years ago, I'm emceeing the Saskatchewan Sports Hall of Fame dinner. Uh, Peter McNabb and David McNabb, uh, their their father um, was um, was he's from Saskatchewan, Watson, Saskatchewan. He was he was in Ed Van Imp was in, um, and uh, Brad Watson, former referee, was in. Okay, was he was one of the guys I was I was um, inducting. I was the MC. So. Uh, I'm going around and I'm talking to a few tables with, uh, during one of the breaks and um, there's a table of referees, okay? a couple of local guys that ref me back in the long time ago that went on to the WHL and there's a few others, Dave Jackson, a few other guys. And I think, I think it was Dave. I can't remember who it was, but he turns and goes, Drew, yeah, you need to enunciate more. I'm like, pardon me? He goes, you need to, when you're up there, you need to enunciate more. And I looked at him funny and, and, he, and he goes, well, you've been telling us for all these years how to do our jobs. We thought we should tell you how to do yours. <laughs> no way to better, no better way no. to end this. That's great. <laughs>